0: Welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about their careers in this industry, specifically how they got into it and how they advanced and how they're helping others do the same. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company and the host of Executive Security. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Mark Varner, CISO at Lowe's. Welcome, Mark. How are you this morning?
1: Thanks. I'm doing great. I appreciate the uh, offer to be here.
0: Well, we appreciate your time. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up in this crazy field of cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, I guess a maybe typical but interesting journey. In, I guess I'm I'm fond of saying sometimes it's better to be blessed than good. Yeah, <laughs> um, and really fell into cybersecurity as a result of being in normal operational technology prior to that. And I think, you know, most people, I hate to say it this way, but my age in this particular field probably came in through that means when we were coming up, there really was no cybersecurity career, like the job didn't exist, which I always try to talk to kids about when I'm talking about choosing your career and navigating, you know, what you're going to do in school and all of these other things, because we press upon these kids at, you know, 17, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Right. And, you know, sometimes I almost feel like we just need to say, relax, because what I do for a living and what I've loved for 20 years didn't even exist when I started in technology. So it's interesting to see how it has grown into its own complete full job function, but I was actually in a normal, you know, IT function, started in doing operations, changing Novell systems over to NT systems and, and you know, okay, back way back in the day. In the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then one of my friends who's still a, has been a great mentor, gentleman, Carlos Reyes, that helped me do all of the Novell training, went over to the cybersecurity group at Anderson. And if you think back, that's... She'll, 23 years ago yeah the fact that they even had a firm-wide information security group was rather avant-garde yeah yeah and and he went over and said man this is really cool this is a great place to work and uh you know you should come over so i interviewed with the director that ran the program at that time and a week later there i was and uh that was the beginning of my career in cybersecurity, and i've been doing it ever since
0: well, wow, that's fantastic, and you work for some great companies, uh, McDonald's, Young Brands, and now Lowe's. Those are uh, protecting some of the world's most powerful brands.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the interesting things when I went to McDonald's. Probably was really learning and appreciating the power or the protection of the brand. You know, McDonald's at the end of the day i always used to make the joke when i would do any type of you know risk management conversation or talk is you know you look at the audience and go okay who in here can't make you know has ever made a hamburger or french fries and naturally everybody's hands go up and i go okay well why don't you own a 20 billion dollar company the product is really relatively simple what separates companies in many cases is the brand and how they go about doing what it is that they do. And so the protection of the brand versus the protection, you know, we think that we're cybersecurity people, but really, if you focus on what it is that you're protecting, the brand is so important. And McDonald's really taught me that lesson probably more so than anywhere else, just because their brand is indeed one of the most valued brands, but that is truly what they protect because, you know, truly the product not that they don't have things that differentiate them that have always made them different from their competitors, but at the end of the day, the product is relatively simple. It's yeah. really the brand that sets them apart.
0: No, that's that's so true. And I, as a vendor, I've been on the vendor side of cybersecurity for seventeen years. But uh, you told a story when we were together about the uh, the importance of understanding your customer because uh, you had a. Uh somebody trying to sell you guys something and they walked in with a starbucks cup when you were at mcdonald's and you're like uh you know we sell coffee too <laughs> i don't that yeah. always that reminded me like you got to really know your customer if you're going to sell to them right
1: yeah yeah not exactly the greatest move ever made when trying to impress <laughs> your client
0: that's for sure Awesome. So you kind of hit on this uh, talking with young people about uh, careers in cybersecurity. And that's why I started this because I get to talk with people like yourselves. My three daughters are not going into cybersecurity, at least not at this point. I have an accountant, one becoming a nurse and the other one looks like she's going into marketing. So maybe the last one will go in the field slightly different, but you know, if I were to call you up and say, Hey, you know, what are some of the things that you would encourage people to think about and why do you get so passionate about this field?
1: So I'll give you a bit of encouragement, I guess, encouragement on the front end of that. There's always hope because I actually have two daughters. One has a social workers administration degree, and she's working in cybersecurity right now. Oh, that's so awesome. she, she did the regular gig for a little while and then converted uh, to, the, <laughs> you know, to the bright side, as I like to say. Right. So um, you never know. The nurse or somebody may turn. So the best you know, advice that I give now is... Just really getting into a discipline within cybersecurity, if that's what sort of trips your trigger, and then figure out or be willing to navigate around. Because I think the mystique that used to be cybersecurity was, and it was kind of true, they were all converted engineers. They right. were people that used to do something and you know, the, your typical propeller head, blinking lights, whirring fans, pounding at configurations on firewalls all day. Yeah. And then somehow, some way, you went into other things within cybersecurity. And one of the things that I think that's cool about the field is how it has expanded and really the diversity of talent that can now participate. And I yeah. think it's made it a much better discipline. So both sides of that benefit. It's the proverbial win-win because I think it draws people in that normally wouldn't have come to the field. And I think it makes the field better because it draws those people in. And so you get a much wider girth of how do you approach cybersecurity? And my example is, you know, you can have lots of tools and widgets that do these things. But how what's your risk management strategy look like? Or what does your training and awareness and the people that are doing those things are not your typical folks that we would have seen in the field 20 years ago? So. Right. In those days, you kind of had a square peg in a round hole where you're asking some poor engineer or something like that to, hey, could you go out and train some people about this, which is just, you know, a train looking for a place to happen. So because you're asking them to speak to humans, you know, and that doesn't necessarily go well. So when that technical person now can really do what they really enjoy and what they're great at, but you can also get. A diversity of talent of people that come in that are great communicators or are terrific risk management people, you know, former auditors and things like that that come in. So I think the message is really don't be stuck on what you think cybersecurity is until you start exploring real programs. And even like our college programs that are now spitting out pure cybersecurity degrees I think that they're getting better at integrating with the business world and bringing some of those business people in so that students are getting a broader view of what cybersecurity is really all about, as opposed to sort of this very linear function that it yeah. can sound like when people start you know, talking about it in the educational form.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So next question, you told us that to succeed in cybersecurity, you need to put the why before the what. Can you explain to our listeners what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, it's sort of like what I was just talking about. We've historically gotten to the the what first as an industry, where we put in protections, we put mechanisms up, we're going to build walls, we're going to build fences. And we did that largely before we actually understood what we were building that for. And that's kind of two-sided. One, we were sort of overly focused on doing just that because it's what we knew. That's what we built. And the other side was the business wasn't necessarily great at bringing us into that conversation. Yeah. And so when, you know, that doesn't happen in a natural way, it's really, really hard to understand the why of what it is that you're doing. And that's where the traditional, well, the, the house of no kind of came in yeah. is because you know, your automatic thought process is defend and block instead of seek to understand and then look at a better way to tackle the problem. And I think that that's where the greatest level of maturity in our industry has occurred over the last 10 years. You know, you talk, you've always heard the, you know, oh, we just want a seat at the table. And then all of a sudden we started getting a seat at the table and, you know, people went, oh no, like now what? Because they were actually asking opinions of how to do things better in a biz- and, and accomplish a business need, as opposed to how do you secure it? And to me, it's the greatest turn. And I've said before, like I don't even and my group is, but I've changed the name of two groups that I've worked in before where I don't really like to be considered the security group. I really prefer to be referred to as like technology risk management or mm-hmm. something with risk management in, in the name.
0: Yeah, I remember Um, you talking about that. Yes.
1: A name says a lot. Like we just talked about branding. Well, what do you want your group's brand to be? Are you a security person? Because securing a computer is easy. I've always said this. You can just throw it in the ocean. It'll be very secure. (laughs) Um, it's also useless as a business tool. So how do you know that's really what gets, you know, should be getting people, you know, up in the morning to go to work is the the art and the fun of being able to address a business problem as opposed to just securing something
0: yeah no i think it's well said and from a vendor side i think in the 17 plus years that that i've been on it i think it's really interesting over the last sec you know the latter half and really probably the last seven years the number of times that i'm now meeting with a cro a CMO as well as a CISO to have a discussion. I mean, we one of the largest uh, liquor distributors in the world, it was a CMO initiative that brought us into that. That's a big, big difference than the traditional ways that uh, we as a vendor have been interacting with organizations. But it's great to see the give and take and that the the CISO and that team is not thought of as the doctor knows and the villains. Uh, They just slow us down and they always tell us we can't do stuff. It's like, no, Want to explain to you what the risk is? If you want to go do that, okay. Just understand what the risk is, right? I remember you telling me that uh, when we were in person. That's really resonated with me as well.
1: Yeah, in fact, the word security doesn't even exist in our mission statement. Our mission statement, you know, says something more along the lines that you know our job. I'm paraphrasing, but our job is to ensure that leadership is making informed risk-based decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's, are there lines that I'm not willing to cross where I would go like, no, absolutely. You know, not on my watch. And if you do, you know, that's a decision maker for me. But again, in 20 years, I've never really been faced with that because the people that you're interfacing with and those C-level names that you just mentioned, those people, your, your CFO, your CEO, they deal in risk every single day. Their entire world wraps around risk and reward. A marketing program, do we invest here? Do we use capital for new stores or do we return that to the employees? These are all just risk-based decisions that you make every single day. So they're really good at risk-based decisions. They just need to be informed equally as to what it is that they're trying to do. And to your second point of those other c levels coming to those conversations, that's like a CISO's dream, generally speaking, because it shows the fact that I'm always fond of saying security is our accountability, but it's the company's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because I can't, you know, we have 4,000 developers. I can't be looking over 4,000 developer shoulders every day, and I can't build perfect walls. Because there it's four thousand of the smartest people that we can find right. that are really, really, you know, great at, at putting out code and things like that. If they want to find a way around your widget, they will. The fact of the matter is is that that partnership and having other people that are coming along with you are really what allow you to follow through on your accountability for the company because they take it as their responsibility as well. So that's always been a critical part. So that's very encouraging to hear
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. So you and I talked about how skills from other experiences are transferable to cybersecurity. And you had a great example of a seventh grade teacher. Can you share that with our listeners?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Uh, If she ever hears this, she'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And I think it was seventh grade. It might have been eighth or ninth. So Mm -hmm. she'll have to forgive me if I get it completely wrong. But yeah, we were somebody that I had actually coached with. And we were just having a casual conversation one day. In fact, I think it was waiting for at the state track meet to um, start. And she had just mentioned something about a possible career change and, you know, really thinking that she needed, you know, something different and was looking for something that was, you know, far different than teaching or whatever the case is. And I casually said something about, well, have you ever thought about cybersecurity or something like that? And she sort of scoffed and said, well, you know, Mark, I, I teach seventh graders all day. At which point I went, you'll be perfect for corporate. <laughs> um, but I mean, truly, all kidding aside, then you think about that is take a teaching element and look at a training and awareness program. right? The yeah. basic athletic skills, to use that term are so transferable. You know, it's ridiculous because you're talking about creating curriculum, you're talking about taking a really really complex subject, trying to boil it down to its most simple format that you can so that it's very communicatable and it can resonate with the right audience at the right level. Well, if you look at exactly what the skill set yeah. of a teacher is doing every single day, that's truly a pure transferable skill and after a long story, she made the transition, went into that world and has done, you know, really well with it, you know, since then. So I think that's that's always been one of the things that I talk about, like when you hear the war on talent that was coming, you know, that was the common thing for the last four or five years. If you went to any CISO conference or something, it was like, oh, we can't find people. And I get that. And there was a shortage, but I do think that there was a bit of that where some of that was our own problem because everybody wanted instant made security people. When your industry is quadrupling or even more so in size every year, the universities or however you want to get these people, you're not, there's only so many people with 12 years of experience doing this and you can't make up that experience. So you have to go find that talent pool somewhere else and find a different means of doing that. So I think just being creative in those ways is a great way for you to do that. Now, it does mean you may need to make a little investment in people. But that's really a pretty fair price to be able to get great people. And like I said before, a more diverse talent pool that brings yeah. things to the table that you would have never had otherwise.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a great story. And I hope she does listen to this and uh, get a kick out of that. You tell it quite often because it, it is a good example. And the number of CISOs that we've talked to it that have acknowledged in the last couple of years that to fix this 3.4 or whatever millions of open positions that are going unfilled, whatever number you wanna use, some of it is totally self-inflicted. If we're looking for purple squirrels, there are only so many purple squirrels going around. You've gotta open up your aperture and be willing to invest. I think that's really well said. So great story, thanks for sharing. So last questions. For your hiring managers uh, that are looking for entry-level people, like what are the things they're looking for and uh, how can candidates try to display those, whether in their outreach in resumes or when they're presenting to some of your hiring managers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Curiosity is one of my, I guess, my key indicators. And curiosity or willingness to learn, if that's expressed a different way, but I guess if I were to boil it down, that's what I'm looking for is the adaptability. And I think that that's what I ask our recruiting people to look for. Because here's the thing, the hard part about I don't know, the beauty and the beast. The beauty of security is if you're one of those people that gets bored easily, you're gonna love this. You know, it's the beast is that it changes so fast. And so if you don't have an intellectual curiosity, you just constantly want to learn or want change, or to be able to see, you know, those variances, this is probably going to drive you crazy. And I was, I have a brother that's a structural engineer and naturally he makes fun of me because, you know, I work in computers and I always make the joke with him as I'm like, well, when was the last really cool discovery or a change in math? Like Newton (laughs) did calculus like 200 years ago and calculus is still calculus. Like it's not you know, my world changes you know, every two years or three yeah. years, like yeah. things are completely different. It went from whatever to ransomware to a new, you know, there's new vectors, there's something changing every single day. And I know that this will offend every engineer that I just talked to, but frankly, your job's simple compared to ours. Um, just <laughs> kidding, all your engineers out there. I think that that's the number one attribute that, you know, I would say. The other one that I think is totally underserved, unfortunately... Right now that I always ask that we look for communication skills. Mm. And again, if you hearken back to my the why before the what, I don't think that you can even get to the, the why if you're not able to articulate that to largely an audience that doesn't know and doesn't care. That's the big reality of, of our jobs is that and I don't mean that they don't care because they don't want to. They don't care because they have so many other things to do that the business pays them to do. Doing security is just something that they want to happen, and it's very, very much a small part of their world, and it's our total world. And so when we go to them, if you don't have the communication skills to be able to translate that or even understand it, you know, empathy to being able to then, that makes you much more able to explain sort of that situation or understand the situation so that you know how to meet your customer where they need to be met so that you can be more effective as a security leader. We sometimes underestimate grossly the value in communication skill, whether it be written or verbal or any of those things. And and not to knock this to a generational thing, but we have sort of minimized some of those things in our own world. And if you think about the maturation of like, we used to have conversations, then we would have memos, then we had emails, and emails became very informal. And then we don't have time for emails anymore. So we just text each other or we IM each other through Teams or whatever the case is, it becomes even shorter. And then we use acronyms to say entire words or entire sentences. And so the communication has become tighter and tighter and less of an art And I think that we lose something in there. So, you know, one of the other things that I always encourage young people, even when I'm talking to them, they're like, well, what classes should I take and things like that? And they're always surprised when I go, well, you should really take some communication classes and public speaking classes and join Toastmasters. And they look at me like I have three heads. But when you get on the job, you find the value of communication, because again, at whatever level, the people that you're trying, much of our job is about influence. And if you're going to try to influence and gain people's respect and get them to come along with what it is you know, you you're trying to get done, and that's not to say you're manipulating them, it's to say that you're trying to gain their buy-in to what it is that needs to be done in order to secure the organization or the environment or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And the more effective you can communicate, the better success you're going to have at your ultimate goal, which is securing the environment.
0: Yeah, that's really well said, Mark. I know curiosity has been one that many CISOs have brought up, but I can't think of anybody that's reinforced the importance of communication skills. And I I think about it for people interviewing is start a blog, set up a GitHub, create some interesting kit if you're more technical, but uh, create some things on YouTube and share those as a part of your interview process so that people can see some of how you do communicate. Because I totally agree with you that communication skill equal to curiosity is what's going to make a great candidate in this field because it is so changing, so dynamic. Uh, So you have to have that piece of it, but then equally, you got to communicate it, right? I I always say like, my family doesn't care about cybersecurity, but I'm always like, do your updates on your computer, do your updates. I've got to be able to communicate that right just to my family, but equally across the whole organization. That's a great, great tip for for, uh, candidates.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, I've never been successful at like grounding one of my other colleagues or somebody in the business because they didn't, you know, secure their computer or right. know, lock it when they walked away. Right. I mean, exactly. that'll work with your kids, but it it, it really, <laughs> I've tried it. It doesn't really
0: work it very well.
1: Everybody's okay with being grounded. They're like, okay, I'll stay home for a week.
0: That's exactly. terrific. It's the new norm. I've met with a CEO up in Canada and I said, what's your work from home policy? He said, no, we're work from work. That's a, It's a new modern idea. We go to the office five days a week. So <laughs> awesome, Mark. Well, uh, I knew this was going to be a great episode. So thank you so much for being a guest. As a reminder to our listeners looking to get into cybersecurity and up their skills, uh, you can get one year free content of cybersecurity training by going to ThreadX Academy. Using promo code podcast, ThreatX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. Uh, you can learn more by going to academy.threadx.com. Also check out the episode that we just recently re- released uh, with Bruce Schneier. We talk about his latest book, A Hacker Mind. It's been one of our most popular and listened to episodes so far. And lastly, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website, threadx.com. Mark, thank you very much. Uh, it's a Friday morning. I hope you have a good week and a good weekend, I should say. Thank you again so much for being a guest.
1: You're welcome. I appreciate the invite.